Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm not really embarrassed anymore, Ben. What I am is interested in getting a writing job on the new Star Trek series. So that's really <laughs> what the show is about now. Interesting. So you, you've you've transitioned to seeing this as like a as like a professional uh, development play, right? I'm manipulating the show into something that's like, what can it do for me professionally? Besides <laughs> be an embarrassment. There is a new series of Star Trek coming out, and I think they want it to be an anthology thing. So presumably, we could both get jobs on like the third season scatological series. <laughs> the uh, the butt stuff season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Star Trek After Dark. <laughs> It'd be great if it worked out that way. The Red Shirt Diaries. Look, they're going to want this to be good right out of the gates. Uh, but then subsequent seasons, who knows? Maybe they want to... Uh, maybe they can't get a, a Rob Bowman, for example. Maybe they want to they wanna throw the series at us for a while. I yeah, think, give I it to a couple of... I think a lot of people of, would be excited about that. Yeah, a couple of young upstarts that, you know, most of our bona fides are in making, uh, making corporate video, but <laughs> I, I, feel like I, I feel like I've dissected the the best episodes and the worst episodes of of Star Trek to an extent that sure. I feel pretty confident that if uh, they put my hand on the tiller, uh, I would I would know what to do. Look, I'd put my hands wherever they want them if it meant getting into that writer's room. So this is episode. Eight of season two, a matter of honor. Yeah, it's your basic Klingon exchange program storyline, right? It sure is. So uh, the Enterprise is arriving at a starbase to pick up some people who are newly stationed on the ship and also some members of this exchange program. And uh, it's... I, th- I got a little confused about this, to be honest, Adam. Um, the like Riker takes Wesley down to the transporter bay, and Mordock, the uh, chaotic bro from the episode "Coming of Age," beams on, and Wesley's like, "What's up, Mordock? What up?" And Mordock is like, "I'm not Mordock. I'm Mendon, or something like." That. Yeah, <laughs> Wesley is like halfway through a four-step handshake. Yeah, it's just totally confusing Mendon right now. Yeah. Like, Mendon's like, I'm going to be down for that, but, but, uh, like, we don't know each other. Like, not all Benzites look alike, okay? Yeah. Everyone who uses a vape pen looks like an idiot, but they aren't the same person. <laughs> I saw a guy today walking down the street, just casually vaping. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even like using my phone in public. <laughs> I don't know how anyone's okay with doing that. Um, anyway, have, back to the story. <laughs> no, I, b- b- before we get back to the story, I, uh, I've noticed something uh, in the last few days. I've, I've been taking the ferry to, to get to work lately. Sure. And, uh, Is that the big orange Staten Island ferry? 
No, unfortunately, it's a uh, it's the East River Ferry. But uh-huh. uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, sp- I I thought I spotted this uh, the other day, and I confirmed it today <laughs> that the pilot of the ferry, when when uh, when the ferry pulls in at East Thirty Fourth Street, and uh, you know it's it stays there for five minutes to let people get off and people get on, the pilot of the ferry uh, typically steps out of the of the control room the bridge if you will and has a little vape on oh, on, the, on the second deck uh, <laughs> captain <Yeah>. josh <laughs> that's so dumb oh man <laughs> why is his name josh <laughs> i'm a fairy captain jeremy <laughs> They called me J-Dog in college. The raspberry vape juice really <laughs> keeps me concentrated on the horizon. <laughs> it's concentrated flavor, and I am concentrating on the horizon. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so anyways, here's what confused me about this, uh, this exchange program. Because Mendon is, is from a Benzite ship, but he's wearing a Starfleet uniform, right? Yeah. So he's got all these, like unusual ideas about how we're going to do running the ship and he's like really he's you know he's a go-getter he's uh he's, he's a tryhard. yeah he, he's like one of those kids that like really you really resent when they have like a presentation in social studies class in uh in the 11th grade because he's coming in with like a tri-folding poster board handouts everything is color printed looks super on point and you're like this kid's fucking parents helped him man <laughs> um that doesn't sound autobiographical at all <laughs> uh but he's wearing a starfleet uniform and so it's like is he in starfleet and just from a different ship that's all benzites or is he like from a benzite ship and he's he's trying out a starfleet ship and they gave him a uniform because as we'll find out, Riker goes on a Klingon ship in this episode. They don't give him a Klingon uniform. Oh, that would have been great. Wouldn't that have been good? The way I understood it was that this was a Federation to Federation exchange of of personnel at this moment in time in the episode. Yeah. And that Mendon was a Federation person. Uh, as was the rest of the people who came on board at that moment. Yeah, but- I don't know I don't know what Benza the the benzene homeworld's uh, status is in the federation i guess that's that's really the question we need to answer the uh the bro homeworld <laughs> planet affliction <laughs> 69 moons <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice our uniform are sleeve tats and and uh, dolphin shorts <laughs> so after mendon straightens out wesley he comes aboard uh, yeah, he kind of gives him the we don't all like we don't all look alike, do we? Like the sort of like <laughs> yeah. quasi racist talking to that Wesley gets from Mendon at that moment. Yeah, but but like like Mendon scolds him, but he's a chill dude. He's not going to hold it against him. Oh, he's super chill. Um, so then uh, Riker goes down and meets up with Picard in the Dustbuster Clubhouse. They do a little <laughs> target practice and. Dustbuster shooting range, yeah. Yeah. And uh Picard is like uh is like 
leading leading Riker down a path of volunteering to to go uh do a, a similar exchange program on a Klingon ship. And um it's a it's a you know, it's it's one of the first scenes where we see like the real fondness that has developed between Riker and Picard. You know, their their relationship started with with Picard really like pulling rank on Riker in uh in episode 1 of the series and uh I think they're like buddies now, you know? They've gone from like big dogging each other to two dogs that used to fight that now just sort of sleep curled up against each other. They're yeah. uh, they're friendly dogs at this point. I mean, I'm not saying that Picard doesn't hump Riker dog every so often, but Sure, you got to you got to show him who's boss, who's captain. Yeah. This whole idea comes off as pretty impulsive to me. Like they're they're shooting the dots in the phaser range. Picard's like, yeah, uh, so this exchange program seems like something that we could export to different areas and uh, and different races. Like, right. what, what would you think about maybe doing an exchange program on a Klingon ship? And, and Riker's like, yeah, that, that sounds cool. Picard's like, no, what would you think about <laughs> doing a Klingon exchange? And Riker's yeah. like, yeah, that sounds pretty dope. And then Picard's like, no, 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 what would you do? <laughs> <laughs> Riker's like, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. Uh, funny juxtaposition this scene with talk of going and working on a Klingon ship because uh, you just cannot imagine the Klingons having any similar like disruptor range on their ship. You know, with the like with the like bright primary colored dots that you have to bullseye with your with your dustbuster. You know. Yeah, I'm sure they use like live targets in a yeah. in a Klingon shooting range. Yeah, they like uh, they let a wild targ go and uh, see see who can hit it first. Very conveniently, there is a Klingon ship nearby with which to do the exchange program. I love and, it when that happens. Yeah, I know. I mean, they come up with an idea and they're able to implement it almost immediately. Uh, and this is the pog, pog, pach, pach. It's a uh, you spell it the same way as gach, but with a p. This is gonna be a super phlegmy episode, isn't it? <laughs> so Riker does a couple of things to prepare for the exchange program. First and foremost, he conducts a sort of Andrew Zimmern tour of Klingon food. Yeah. Uh, by going to Ten Forward and like getting down on a yeah. buffet of. Of just like worms. Yeah, he and orders the menu. Yeah, yeah, he does. Hippias claw. This is heart of targ. This, of course, is gaga. Gaga. Everybody from the ship has to come by and make a <laughs> comment at how gross it all is. And uh, you know, they they had fun uh, art directing this. You know, lots of uh, squid tentacles and lots weird... of colors and textures and sounds. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was good. Um, and uh, I definitely spotted immediately that his gach wasn't moving. So it was fun for me uh, later on when uh, when they try to feed it to him on the Klingon ship. And he's like, oh, it's wriggling. <laughs> um, he, like, he does that thing, though, in eating all of this Klingon food. I don't know if it's just a thing that he does when he eats something gross. But he does that lift it up above his head and drop it into his mouth move oh, yeah. to eat food. That's just like quintessentially Riker. Yeah, he, he, he unveiled that 
that uh, particular bit of flair in in the uh, conspiracy episode with the right. with the worms. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess maybe that's like a, a secondary Riker maneuver in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes to get real sloppy when he's eating. So the other thing he does to prepare is uh, has a little rap sesh with Worf in yep. the in the hallway, and uh, and you know Worf kind of kind of gives him the lowdown about how how shit works on a Klingon ship. If if the captain is is deemed by the first officer to be incompetent to execute his duties. It is incumbent on the first officer to kill the captain and take over. And uh, Worf really like has a lot of respect for this system. He's like, yeah, it's worked for hundreds of years. It's uh, no, I don't see any particular flaws in it. Um, and uh, and so you know, Riker's uh, it, he's like he's like an actor preparing for a role. You know, interested in in the motivations and. How to how to kind of fit in? Worf is like doing that thing, uh, like Riker's going to a different country, so he's asking the guy from the country like what he needs to be doing there to fit in, like, right? Like that that seems pretty sensible, right? Fair enough. The other thing that Worf does though is he uh, is he Star Trek sixes him. He gives him the secret signal sender that he can yeah. hide in his boot, right? Yeah, he gives him like a double A battery that has the label taken off and uh <laughs> it's like a transponder we will be able to follow the captain's movements how did you achieve this sir time is precious lieutenant you know it's it's like uh whenever james bond is getting gadgets at the beginning of the of the film you you're just like trying to picture the scenario in which he's going to use the laser beam on the watch to to get out of a scrape and uh you know this is this is a similar situation it's a uh uh, Pavel Chekhov, uh, shotgun on the wall type of deal. <laughs> right, exactly. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Mm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. With all of this information and this little, this little uh, James Bond utensil on his person, uh, he he goes to the transporter room and uh, gets ready to go, and. O'Brien basically like what is I don't I don't even know how to describe what O'Brien does to him in the transporter room, but he like hops up to the transporter all happy and ready to go. <laughs> and O'Brien's basically like, uh, enjoy your suicide mission, idiot. <laughs> Good luck, Commander. Thanks, O'Brien. I wouldn't want to go. And Riker basically all he has time to say is, uh, what? And then <laughs> O'Brien like beams him away before he can finish his thought, which is great. Uh, so good. O'Brien must must really enjoy that, like saying something fucked up and then beaming the person away before they have a chance to respond. Right? Yeah. Never done this before. What? <laughs> huh? I I actually have no idea where I'm beaming you. Bloop. <laughs> it's like um, I I've seen like YouTube videos of guys that operate carnival rides where <laughs> they like drop a bunch of bolts and nuts on the floor. And go like, oh no! Right before they throw the switch and like shoot people off into the into the wild blue yonder. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's what O'Brien does here. It's the only way to stay uh, stay entertained in the uh, transporter bay. So Riker appears in basically the toughest leather bar in the galaxy, <laughs> <laughs> and like 
in addition to just how it looks, like it it looks like a leather bar. It's super dark. There's like red. Smoky. Yeah, it's smoky. It also sounds like the constant sound of chains being dropped on a steel floor is how it sounds at all times. Mm-hmm. Like it's just loud and clanky. Yeah, they they their engine is not as finely tuned as the uh, as the Enterprises. It's really like the Volkswagen Beetle of starships. Clearly diesel powered. <laughs> you know, like in a in in submarine movies, you get like the often you get like the contrast between the nuclear submarine and the diesel submarine. Like sure. that's that's the contrast we get when Riker goes from the Enterprise to the Pach. Yeah, pretty early in his in his appearance on the Klingon ship, the uh, the second officer Clag is uh, is is really starting to kind of test. Riker's boundaries and and test his commitment to the to the uh, to the challenge he has taken up, and uh, it it winds up being that Riker has to like sucker punch him and knock him to the floor <laughs> in order to like get him to shut the fuck up and leave him alone. He does that thing where where he like accepts an insult, like averts his eyes for a moment, and then like beats his ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, which which is sort of like I'm I'm a little surprised that that isn't such an obvious telegraph of what's about to happen, right? Yeah, you would think a Klingon I guess a Klingon probably would never like faint away from a fight. Yeah. So so maybe that's a total new one on on Clag. <laughs> like he's never seen this particular stunt pulled in any bar fight. Yeah, Riker basically acts like he gets the vapors and then like <laughs> stiffens up and kicks the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and he it's really a like Rick flares him. Yeah, I think Jonathan Frakes is starting to demonstrate himself to be like he can really sell a fight. Yeah, a couple times this season they've given him like compound fight scenes with like multiple moves. Like the guy can do it. Just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence. So uh, before before the uh, Klingons uh, head off to do whatever the Klingons are gonna do, uh, our buddy Chaotic Bro Two, Two Chaotic Two Bro, uh, <laughs> does some does some scanning. And Electric Brogaloo <laughs> does some scanning and uh, discovers some uh, some poopy on the back of the uh, Klingon ship. There's like a little uh, shit stain. It's a bacterial hull. wet spot. Yeah, and uh, and, and this doesn't uh, seem too out of place when he describes it. Like initially, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, that that ship's a total shit pile. Like, yeah, I mean, this is like the same type of Klingon ship that the uh, that the crew of the Enterprise A, uh, Jack, in uh, search for Spock and rename the Bounty, right, and uh, fly to. San Francisco 1987 or whatever. Um, yeah, you know, any ship spends it, too much time in San Francisco, they're going to come back with something. Yeah, some think. rust on the hull, yeah. as, as, it, as it were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a rusty-looking ship to begin with, you know? Yeah, I don't like, know what the service life of one of these yeah. Klingon ships is, but this has got to be near the end of this, of yeah. this one. And, and they have not been strapping it up before they uh, <laughs> do their penetrating... It's really the perfect ship for Riker in that way. (laughs) 
Like, I'm, my immune system may not even be equal to this challenge, but I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> so the the B storyline involves Cargon like doing the scan, and he finds the wet spot. You mean Mendon? Or yeah, I do mean Mendon. What did I say? Cargon. God damn it! This is going to be that kind of episode, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of crazy alien names in this app. Yeah, so Mendon does the scan and then doesn't say anything about it. Yeah, and um, there's a lot of, like, like like Mendon's whole thing on the ship is that he has, he's, like, going around and, like, looking at people's instrument panels and going, like, oh, really nice layout you got there. That's really efficient. You know, I could give you a couple pointers about how to make it even better, though. And then... And, and at one point, he, like, grabs Picard's, uh, you know, the sleeve of Picard's uniform as he's walking by. And he goes, oh, by the way, I'm uh, on the exchange program, and I have some uh, some ideas on how to, like, you know, get your ship in in a little bit more of a f- an efficient working order. And Yeah, he's like, kind of like Remick without rank. Like, he's yeah. as annoying to everyone as Remick was. Right, and and without the and without the weight of a uh, a roundhousing admiral behind him, because right. when he when he grabs Picard for this, like nobody has ever been big docked as bad. <laughs> you have an excellent record, Ensign. However, here on the Enterprise, we use the chain of command. You will report your observations to Lieutenant Worf. I beg your pardon, Captain. I just wanted to impress upon no you. No need that to I... apologize, Ensign. We should have explained it better to you at your indoctrination. Yeah, he he big dogs the shit out of Mendon and and then Worf immediately after big dogs him. It's like a tag team big dog. Yeah, he's like uh like Worf, you take over on the big dogging and uh and <laughs> see that I don't have to big dog this this little whelp anymore. <laughs> so uh as as the Enterprise flies away, uh at some point they kind of realize that they they too have a little a little smear of the poopy on their ship. And uh and they're like, yeah, what is this? And Mendon's like, oh, by the way, they have the same stuff on that Klingon ship. And they're like, why didn't you tell anybody while the Klingons were still here? And he's uh, he's got like a like a cultural difference here. He's like, I didn't I hadn't finished my analysis. I didn't know exactly what it was, so I uh, didn't bring it up because that's just not how you do it. Yeah, and, Men- uh, Mendon basically does the, uh, you've been tested, right? After doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got everything backwards. He's not somebody that you want the condom to break with. Put it that way. <laughs> For a lot of reasons. Yeah. So um, So they're like, whoa, well, if we've got it and that Klingon ship's got it, uh, the the Klingon ship is actually determined to be in some trouble. Like, right? Because there's sort is, of a countdown. There, it's a race against the clock because uh, it's going to ruin their ship. Right. It's a it's a bacteria that eats hull plating, and the compounds that the bacteria consumes are in uh, a higher quantity in the Klingon hull than in the Enterprise's hull. So the the Klingons are more fucked than the Enterprise even, and are not even aware of the problem. Yeah, it it really loves eating garbage can lids, and that's basically <laughs> what that Klingon ship is made out of. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe they maybe they picked it up when they landed on those garbage cans in uh, Voyage Home. Had to be San Francisco. I was born there. The Klingons must have gotten that ship back after uh, after Kirk and Kirk and the gang return with the with the whales, right? Like. 
possible that the the Pach is the HMS Bounty rechristened. Yeah, I'd really be interested in doing the Carfax on that <laughs> Klingon ship and seeing where it ended up. Yeah. Like uh, kicking the it tires. It ended up at an auction in like yeah. Cincinnati. It was bought mm-hmm. by some like dealer in the bad part of town. Just now, sat this on the has lot had a few a fender benders, but uh, you know, low mileage. I mean, it's been through time a few times, but it's clearly been around. That's for sure. So uh, the Klingon crew, meanwhile, has also discovered this organism and they're also you know like there's a lot of like fish out of water stuff going on with Riker there's a fun moment in the uh in the uh in in the Klingon mess hall when uh two of the Klingon females uh propose a three-way with Riker and everybody watching is just going like they have no idea what they're in for like they think that this is a hilarious gambit and they are fucked if this, if they try this at all <laughs> talk about propositioning the all-time worst person for a threesome like yeah it's like it's like picking a fight with somebody at a bar and he stands up and he's like seven feet tall <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a, Riker is is 10 feet tall sexually <laughs> And he also, like, does a good job impressing people in the Klingon cafeteria. Like, he's eating all of their food, like, in a real, like, he's demonstrating that he's down. He's down with with anything. Like, he's eating the live gach. Yeah, and to the extent that, like, the second officer and the science officer or whatever, you know, like, start talking to him, like, about some real personal shit, you know? One of them says, like, my dad didn't die in battle, which is a big shame for my family, and I don't talk to him anymore. And, uh, you know, things, things used to be a lot better between me and the old man and, and Riker's got some, got some thoughts about that. And like, like, you know, like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, well, maybe that's what this whole exchange program can be for is like some, some cultural, you know, like you take the good stuff from my culture. I'll take the good stuff from your culture. And by good stuff, I mean a lot of fucking, (laughs) uh, a couple of hot Klingon babes. Um, but the episode takes a real turn for the Crimson Tide when the Klingons discover their own bacterial colony. You ever watch Star Trek? And it is, at this point, opened up a, a pretty sizable hole in their hull, depressurized a section, and, uh, you know, they're, they're like, this is, this is fucked, especially because... It's weird because, they even noticed with yeah. how the rest of their ship looks. <laughs> but, the, but, but they do notice, and they're, and they're, pretty pissed off because they are looking at the records and they're like wow the enterprise actually pointed a scanning beam right at this section of the ship for a extended period of time Riker, uh do you happen to know what kind of scanning beam that was and you know Riker's in a tough spot he's got to like he's he's got to like soft pedal uh you know like that's that's a need to know basis type of thing if the federation had a way to uh scan a, a hull into decompiling you know he wouldn't want to admit that they do or don't but he also and not only that like why would they do something intentionally to hurt the ship that Riker's gonna be on right like like it doesn't make any sense from that perspective either I guess it doesn't but the uh the Klingons don't really think along those lines you know no no that's not that's not the kind of calculus they're doing and and there there's a real like a real dispute over what where his loyalties lie and and he's like i'm not gonna go against any previous oath i've taken but my my loyalty is to this ship and its captain uh and and i will 
live up to that as insofar as it doesn't compromise any oath I've previously taken. Cargon, the uh, the captain of the Pach, is like getting angrier and angrier and louder and louder. Did he sound familiar to you as he was doing that? Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say yeah. Uh, if he did, it's because he's Starscream from Transformers, the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's no joke. Cool Same career, guy. bro. Yeah. The, I think the second officer is a guy that's like a... A repeat villain in the X-Files also. He's the guy with the muscle face. Yeah, yeah, that guy has a crazy face. Holy Great mackerel. face. He's got a face that looks like, you know those uh, those eagle's claw hand exerciser things that are like five springs? Yeah. That you just squeeze? He yeah. looks like someone who has attached that to his face and is like doing smile frown exercises with that yeah. like hooked into it his face is just full of muscles it's crazy yeah like his uh, his upper lip could whoop Sylvester Stallone's ass in an arm <laughs> wrestling contest <laughs> just lip versus arm wrestling yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice fighting way above its weight I don't like Lincoln Hawk's chances in that particular fight So the Klingons cloak and they're like, they're like, fuck the Enterprise. Like they're, they're also following us now because Picard is, has put them on an intercept course to try and warn the Klingons about this bacteria. And the, like the Klingons are just wired to interpret that as a hostile action before, you know, since they haven't had any communications from the Enterprise. And there's a a real like, a, a moment where you think like, Maybe this Klingon ship is going to attempt to take the Enterprise out. And while it is a smaller ship and kind of outclassed by the Enterprise, if they take them by surprise, they might they might actually be able to do it. So uh, wouldn't you know it, the Starfleet transponder battery comes in handy. Riker pulls it out of his boot and just, like, sets it going. And the captain's like, give me that. What is that? And <laughs> he takes it. Uh, the uh, Enterprise picks up on the signal and beams him right onto the bridge. So this big fat captain goes from his like his you know dark you know red lights and smoke rusted out ship to the bright the bright lights of the Enterprise bridge deck and is revealed to just be kind of a portly man in a dress. <laughs> and uh, he tries to draw his his disruptor. Yeah, his and- ship is very slimming on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just, he looks better in a certain light. Yeah. But uh, he he tries to shoot the captain and uh, Worf phasers him down. And um, Dude, say what you will about what an idiot Cargon is. Like, <laughs> the guy really went for it. Like, yeah. Like, he's trying to, he's he's full on ready to fight the Enterprise and die doing it. He gets beamed onto the Enterprise and ju- then just starts shooting people while he's there. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like the guy's a total badass. Yeah, he, he's, uh, he, he's 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 uh, he practices what he preaches. So meanwhile, on the Pach, like Riker has Captain Phillips the Pach at this point. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm your captain now. Yeah, <laughs> like respect me, and he gets into the big chair. He decloaks the ship and demands the Enterprise surrender to them. And uh, Picard is like, uh, all right, nice one, nice one, uh, nice one, Frakes. We surrender. Good good on you. And uh, 
and uh, that's pretty much it. Like they, you know, cleanse the cleanse the hull of the bacteria, and um, for the most part, everybody's honor is more or less in- intact because you know nobody nobody did pulled any like weak sauce moves, um, which is like uh, you know a big deal with with Klingons. I guess. I, there are a few things we don't get resolution on, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like, we don't know whatever happens to Cargon. Like, was he killed on the bridge of the Enterprise? I don't think no, so. No, he was just stunned. Yeah. Uh, and uh, whatever happens Because remember, to... he, like, beams back over and, like, and, like, and, like, mollywops yeah. Riker when oh, that's he gets right. back onto the bridge. That's right. So, cut all that out. Um, we don't get any resolution on the deep, 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 like... G storyline, which is like <laughs> Mendon, right? Yeah. Like he he fucks up every relationship he makes on board the Enterprise, and then I guess he's gonna get exchanged back to where he came from, right? Because he sucks. Presumably. Hope so. Or maybe just like moved off the bridge. I don't know. Yeah, that guy. That guy was a waste. Doesn't seem like he's uh, learning enough lessons. I'll put he- it that way. He looks like, whoever that actor is, looks like he's got the most uncomfortable makeup job of oh, anyone yeah. we've seen. I don't know how you breathe in that thing. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed this, but he's got like a mock turtleneck under his uniform to like yeah. make the, the uniform neck come up a little higher on the makeup. Yeah. And uh, you got you to gotta think that that's just because like they didn't want to bring the latex all the way down to his chest. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's got to be, like, going to the craft services table has got to be a real hassle in that makeup. Yeah, your your meals are just through a straw at that point. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Damok, Angelad, and Tanaga. Damok, Angelad, and Tanaga. As you were watching, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Uh, I, I don't think that... Uh, I don't think I could pick anybody but Chaotic Bro 2, Electric Boogaloo. I think that... Uh, electric Brogaloo. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> too chaotic, too bro. Uh, <laughs> that's cool, right? Where we just do the same jokes that we did earlier in the episode? I don't think anyone's still listening. Oh, that's a fair point. Uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, just really Shimoda's around the whole damn episode. And... Uh, I enjoyed watching it. I thought for sure you were going to say that it could be no one else but Riker. Riker to me is is maybe the most quintessentially Shimoda who isn't actually Jim Shimoda. Like <laughs> he is full on like he eats the Klingon buffet on his own ship. He's basically showing off how awesome he is and how and how gross he's willing to get culinarily. And then Basically, the first order of business when he goes to the Klingon ship is like initiating and accepting a three-way. <laughs> and then he does the drunk thing where he like really bonds super fast with two strangers, which is like kind of so that's like a drunk guy move yeah. at a party. Like you get hammered and you... Uh, you guys are amazing. We should hang out all the time. Oh, you're so... Uh, my dad's like that too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he basically does the seven stages of Drunk Shimoda in one episode. I, I thought it was awesome. It was excellent Shimoda-ing by Riker. Yeah. Okay. Good job well, by him. We can, we can agree to disagree. 
We often do. Uh, what is our next episode of the series that we're going to be watching? Our next episode is, well, it, assuming no vetoes get invoked, our next episode is season two, episode nine, Measure of a Man. When Data refuses to be disassembled for research purposes, Picard is enlisted to defend his rights in court. How funny would it be if I vetoed this episode? <laughs> <laughs> this episode is one of the most famous episodes of the series. It's one yeah. of the most beloved. It's one of the most memorable. Uh, this is an episode that gets like used in law schools. Totally. It's, it's fantastic. It's objectively great. Yeah. Well, are you going to veto? Maybe I'll veto. <laughs> That would be so funny. What a fuck you that would be. <laughs> it would, would. Here's the question. I mean, I guess I can't really know, but if I vetoed, would you override? Would you? Because we can use our vetoes against each other. I don't think that we should tell each other that. I yeah. think that should be part of the risk. We had a pretty interesting suggestion about, like, if one of us vetoes, the other has to watch it. Yeah, I like that idea, too, because it sort of weaponizes the veto in a way that like yeah. kind of makes so, it more fun to use that's sort of like i don't like this episode and i don't care if you do go ahead and watch <laughs> it i don't care like it's that sort of thing yeah like it's i veto the episode for myself right i just sort of wonder like how the how the subsequent episode goes because like is it one of us just doing like a book report on an episode of star <laughs> trek we watched that would be so awkward but it would be <laughs> I would be really curious to hear how that sounds. Like you do your own drops, you do your own jokes. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's okay, like a one you... man morning morning drive DJ. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Do we uh, do we do we change the rule a little? Like it's a minor tweak to the rules. I mean, uh, this is gonna. There's nothing that's gonna piss off the no to the veto movement more. Look, no matter what, I'm in favor of keeping the vetoes. I think what we're talking about here is like what form they take. Right. If it if it involves either either the it solos the other person onto the show, or I think we also heard uh from uh who proposed this idea? The the other person hosts with a guest. Like they Oh, oh that's interesting. Like I didn't if, see that one. I think that idea was from Adam Ragusia, uh, who proposed like Host in, of the in, Pub podcast, an yeah. excellent podcast about public radio. Friend of the show, yeah. Adam Ragusia, said that uh, maybe it just means that the person vetoing bails throws the keys of the show to the other host, and then they take on a, uh, a special guest host. The reason I don't like that, Ben, is because what if you pick a guest host that people like better than me? <laughs> I don't want well, that. You could pick a guest host that people like better than me. That would not be hard. I, I don't know. That would make me real sad. Everyone's all on uh, Greatest Gen. That's like, oh, God, Ben and uh, Ben and Chad are awesome. <laughs> ben and Chad forever. Okay, let's throw this to the listeners. Should we, A, move forward as as we currently have it, B, Move to a system where if one of us vetoes, the other has to watch it alone and then report back. Or C, move to a system where if one of us vetoes, the other one has to watch it with a guest and then talk about it with a guest on an episode. And I should say for those second two, the the veto nullification is still available. Like if... if if Okay, one of so us mutually assured vetoes means that nothing happens and you just watch the show as... 
right as before okay uh, that's what i was going to ask is if is if uh mutually assured vetoes like does the same stuff so okay yeah. i think i would be interested in hearing what the response is to those three choices yeah i think i could live with all of them i could i could live with all of them too i think the two second options are interesting modifications to to the system so tell you what um let's let's run this vote on on hashtag greatest gen yeah. people can respond with with what they would prefer uh and we will count them up after how long well, you want to run this poll for like two weeks give okay. people a long like people who have been who are sort of catching up and they sort of binge the show oh we what if one of us wants to. to veto within that two weeks though i don't know i guess that's the risk we run i guess we, we want to sit risk. in that chair so go to uh go to hashtag greatest gen there will probably be like a twitter poll in play uh, you can follow Adam at Cut for Time, and you can follow me at Benjamin R A H R. Thanks for sticking around through that like fifteen minutes of administrative bullshit. Like, <laughs> that was awesome. That's just great pod right there. Yeah. We Thanks should to thank Dark, Dark Materia for our opening and interstitial music. And uh, with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and also this. Bye. Bye. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> 
Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org.